This is Palm Sunday. It's Jesus' day that we celebrate his triumphant entry into the city. So, you know, back 2,000 plus years ago, they were just Hosanna. Well, we're not going to say Hosanna today. But I want to get you to say Easter, and I'll give you the cue word a little bit later, okay? But I want us to be into this, because I know many of you are doing yard work, and you're tired. I can see it in your eyes, okay? How many of us here have been raised in the church. I mean, you grew up in the church since you've been knee-high to a grasshopper. May I see your hands? Quite a few of us. My guess is this, is that if you've heard one Palm Sunday message, you've heard dozens of them. In fact, you may have even seen a reenactment of a Jesus-type person riding on a donkey. I mean, we did that, I don't know, a number of years ago. And when that happened, as you were observing this kind of, this, this holiday of Christianity with Jesus on this donkey, you were probably hoping that that donkey pooped to bring a little reality to the story. I know that you know the Easter story, or the Palm Sunday story. You know the Easter story as well. But today, I want to do something that maybe you haven't ever thought of out of this palm story, that, that, may, that you might learn that there's something special about it. You see, what happened, I don't know, 2,000 plus years ago? Well, in order to get to the resurrection, you, you got to start with the crucifixion because that's why Jesus came, right? He was born to die. He, he, he came to die on the cross for our sins. He came to rise from the grave, okay, to give us eternal life, to give us a new day. And that's the word. When you hear me say new day or a new day has dawned, I want you to say Easter. A new day. Hold it. You guys be quiet right there, okay? We're going to do this kind of like a wave. This section. A new day. Seriously? This is Holy Week. This is our triumphant week. Well, let's try that one more because they're going to beat you and you don't want them to beat you. A new day. Easter. A new day. Easter. A new day. Easter. A new day. Easter. Okay, when I say new day, I want you to say Easter. And I've got, I don't know, four or five throughout my message, okay? In order to get to the resurrection, you got to go through the crucifixion. And to get to the crucifixion, you've got to start with Palm Sunday. And in order to get to Palm Sunday, folks, you and I have to go all the way back in the Old Testament, about 1,500 years earlier, to the book of Exodus. I want you to take out your message outline and take a look at Exodus chapter 12. What is so special about Palm Sunday? Well, to understand this text, and really to understand Palm Sunday, you've got to realize that the background is slavery. When the first Passover happened, God's people were slaves in Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt 400 years. Can you imagine that? Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation of slavery. They had no say in their future. They had no say about their dreams, their destiny, about their freedoms or their choices. They were living under the heavy hand of oppression from Egypt. 
When they finally had enough of that, they cried out to God for deliverance. And God sent a prophet, a miracle worker, a liberator, a guy named Moses who looked like Charles Heston. And if you didn't laugh, turn to someone who did, they'll tell you what that's all about. But God sent Moses to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's house to say those famous words, let my people go. And to accomplish that task, God sent 10 plagues, one for each of the false gods of Egypt. Water was turned into blood. There were frogs, biting insects, wild animals, livestock disease, boils, fiery hail, locusts, darkness for three days. And the final plague was when the angel of death came. And in one night, all of the firstborn in Egypt died. But it was, but it was only the Egyptians that lost their firstborn uh, humans, their kids, or their animals, because God had told the Hebrews that they were to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, a sacrificial lamb, and sacrifice it, and take the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the mantle of the house, so that when the angel of death came, it would see the blood on the, on the doorpost and on the mantle of the house, and it would pass by their homes and their firstborn would live. This is the context of what's going on. Take a look at Hebrews or Exodus 12, 3 through 14. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day, will you circle that 10th day? Of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Take care of them until the, will you circle this phrase, 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for, the gener for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This, is, this became the first Passover and the Jews were to celebrate it year after year after year as a memorial of God's saving power, saving them from death and saving them from slavery. And to this very day, you know what? They still practice it. So now, let's transport 1,500 years into the future to Jesus. I just saw Rogue One, so... 1,500 years later, Jesus comes to the first day of his last week before his crucifixion. He comes to what we know as Palm Sunday. Jesus is about ready to fulfill the Old Testament picture of a sacrificial lamb. And once again, God's people are being oppressed. Except this time, you know what? It's not the Egyptians. It's the Romans. And once again, God's people have no 
freedom. They have no control over their destiny, their dreams, their choices, their freedom. On this day, the people of God are getting ready to celebrate the Passover just like God had instructed them to out of Exodus chapter 12. It's just four days away. It is Palm Sunday known to us. But to them, it wasn't known as Palm Sunday. Because Palm Sunday, the events around it and the things that followed afterwards were unknown to them. Instead, this day was known as the day of selection. It was four days before Passover. And it's on this day, according to God's scriptures that we read out of Exodus, that the people were to select the Lamb of God that was going to be offered at Passover. And it's on this day, the day of selection, that Jesus enters into the city, to the city of Jerusalem. Because John had referred to him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And on this day, the day of selection, the day of Palm Sunday, as we know it, Jesus enters into the city and, and he enters into the house of God. And a new day is about ready to dawn. It's right, Easter. Write this down. The people of God brought the Lamb of God into the house of God on the day of selection. The people of God brought the Lamb of God into the house of God on the day of selection. Folks, nobody understood what was going on, but Jesus knew what was going on. He knew that the Lamb of God was going to be brought into the house of God. On the day of selection, Jesus knew he was going to die. You see, the people thought that he came to reign, that, he thought to, that they thought that he came to reign as a king, but Jesus knew the whole picture. In fact, he had told his disciples earlier that he was going to die. Take a look at this out of Matthew 20, 17 through 19. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem on the day of selection. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. And later in Luke 18, it says that the disciples didn't understand any of this. Why? They'd been with Jesus three years. They'd read the scriptures. Why did they miss this? Well, they missed it like you and I miss things. We miss things, don't we, that are right in front of us. Have you ever looked for your glasses that were on top of your head? I did that a few days ago. I said, I'm getting old, okay? <laughs> Have you ever looked for your billfold or your purse or something, and it's right there in front of you, and you just see, you just, you just see right over it. You don't even see it because you're not expecting it. That's what was happening to them. But Jesus knew that he was the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. Jesus knew about everything that was going to happen this holy week, as we call it. Folks, today we get it, right? We get it because hindsight is better than foresight. 
And if you doubt that Jesus was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, Paul, the apostle, uh, the Pharisee of Pharisees, okay, who knew the scriptures backwards and forwards, credited Jesus with being that, that lamb. Out of 1 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Now today, we don't kill lambs. Praise God, it would be a little messy up here, okay? And why is that? Because Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law. If you take the book of Hebrews that we're going through right now, you'd understand that he fulfilled it. And once it's fulfilled, hey, it can be done away with. And so we don't sacrifice lambs anymore. But now, let's get back into the story. Let's take a look at the events of this day, the day of selection or the first Palm Sunday. Because this is the day that Jesus entered in to Jerusalem in a triumphant way. We need to look at this story of what is going on and understand what it means to you and I in the 21st century. So let's read it, Matthew 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Then disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What is going on here? Well, once again, the people of God are oppressed. It is four days away from Passover. People are thinking that a liberator is coming because they refer to Jesus as a prophet and they knew of his miracles. In fact, the Gospels record 37 different miracles that Jesus did. John says at the end of his Gospel, that many, 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 many more miracles had been done in his life, more than could ever be written in all the books of the world. Jesus was a prophet and he was a miracle worker. And so the people of God are thinking, here is another Moses. He does miracles and he has come to set his people free. They knew him as a prophet. They knew him as a miracle worker. And they're thinking, here comes Moses again. And guess what? He's coming at Passover. Man, history is going to repeat itself. You see, they thought Jesus was going to march right up to Herod's house, just like Moses marched up to Pharaoh's house. And he was going to say to Herod, just like Moses said to to Pharaoh, let my people go. Set them free. 
And if need be, guess what? I'll call, I'll do a number of miracles. I will call down plagues on you Romans to rout you out of our country. But they didn't realize that Jesus wasn't coming that day as a warrior king. He was coming as the Lamb of God. They thought they were ushering in a deliverer, but God had a better plan because a new day is about to come. And what's that day? Easter is coming, folks. It's coming. Will you write this down? Jesus didn't come to save us from our human oppressors. He came to save us from our sins. Now, I want us to pause here in this story. Because as I read, I'm going through the Bible in a year, and I read this, and I just, okay, but I had to come back. And I want you to think of your story. You have a story, okay? You were once lost, but now you were found. You were once blind, but now you see, right? Those are the bookends of your story. And in the middle of it is the greatest story ever told, Jesus' story. I want you to bring your friends at Easter because we're going to take a look at some stories about what Jesus did for people to give them a new day. Easter, right, get it. But you have a story, and I want you to think of your story on this day of selection, this Palm Sunday, and I want to ask you this question. Do you need to be freed from something? Are you living under some kind of oppression that might have been handed down to you from generation to generation to generation where you think, you know what, it's just impossible to change. I guess it's my destiny. I guess this is the way it's just gonna be with me. Some of you may be sitting here and you may be thinking of your mom. You know, my mom was an alcoholic and her mom was an alcoholic. And I guess it's just meant to be. I guess I'm gonna be an alcoholic. That's my destiny. Or maybe some of you are thinking, you know what? My parents were divorced and their parents were divorced. And as I look at my extended family, I don't see one good marriage out there. I guess that's my destiny. I guess that's just the way it's gonna be. Or you may be thinking, you know what? My dad was a deadbeat and his dad was a deadbeat. And there's a lot of people telling me that I'm just a Disney dad that's just involved with the kids about once a month on all the fun things. I guess it's just the way it's gonna be. Or maybe your slavery or oppression is different. It comes from what someone said to you. You know what? You're a loser. You're dumb. You're ugly. You're stupid. And you've even said that to yourself. You've begun to identify yourself that way. When you try to look into the future, all you see is the same thing over and over and over again. Are you looking into the future and all you see is your past repeated? Folks, if that is where you are at today, I want you to understand something. There is some good news. God has a better plan for your life and a new day is about ready to dawn. And what is that day? It's about Easter, folks. Jesus is your liberator. He come to set you free. That is what Holy Week is all about. And I don't want you to miss an ounce of it. Today, Thursday, and then on Saturday and Sunday. 
This is Holy Week. It's about freedom. It isn't about helicopters or little bunnies or Easter eggs. It is about forgiveness. It is about forgiveness from your sins. It is about freedom from the the effects of sin. It is about freedom from the oppression, the weight that you feel late at night and you're a lazy boy because you can't sleep. It is about freedom from the internal things. It is about new life. We got a lot to celebrate. But let's get back to the story. The Bible says as people were welcoming Jesus into the city that they threw down their cloaks on the ground. What is that all about? Well, will you write this down? Throwing their cloaks was a sign of submission and humility. It was a sign of submission and humility. It was kind of like rolling out the red carpet for someone who's great. It's acknowledged, you know what? You are greater than we are. And so what we're going to do is we are going to submit and we are going to humble ourselves before you. We want you to come in and we want you to be our king. Now think about what a cloak is. It is an outer garment, is it not? It is what you wear in public. It is what you want other people to see. It is a cover-up, or shall I say it is a facade. I think we too have cloaks, don't we? Some of us have cloaks of arrogance. We We hide behind the fact that we know everything. No one can tell you anything. To hide your insecurity. Some of us have cloaks of wealth and possessions. We fill our lives up with those things because we don't want people to see that deep down inside there's emptiness. Some of us have cloaks of position. We're climbing up the corporate ladder, really for the same reason. Some of us have the cloak of a happy smile because we don't want people to see the pain and the hurt that has happened in our life. Folks, we put on cloaks, don't we? We do. But a new day is about to dawn. And what is that day? Easter is coming. Will you write this down? What's my cloak? What are you trying to hide behind that you need to throw down at Jesus' feet that you need to, to, to let go of in order for Jesus to come in and really make a difference in your life. What's your cloak? I'm gonna come back to that question later. The story goes on. The people were welcoming Jesus into the city, shouting and singing, Hosanna to the son of David. What's that about? Hosanna is a word for worship. Hosanna literally means, Lord, save us now. It's kind of like they were saying, God, you know what? We're in this mess. We're in this tight spot. We need to get you to, to deliver us from these circumstances that we're in. Lord, save us now. Does anybody need a Hosanna moment this morning? I would imagine some of us do. God, I'm in this tight spot. <laughs> I've got this mess. God, I don't know what to do. Lord, save me now. Hosanna. That's what it means. And you know what they were doing? They were singing it. Meaning that when you come to church and you say, God, just help me, God. Maybe you put a little tune to it. Help me, God. 
It's as worship to the Lord. And they said, son of David, that's the name for the Messiah, for the king that they had been expecting for, from gener for generation to generation to generation, the Messiah king, the son of David. And when they cried that out and when they sang that to God, they are quoting Psalms 118. Take a look at this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, Lord, save us. Hosanna. Oh, Lord, grant us success. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. With bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar, which was in the temple, by the way. And so they were waving their palm branches and they were singing Hosanna to, to the son of David because they wanted to make Jesus their king because that's who they thought he was. That was their paradigm. He is our warrior king because that's what they'd been waiting for. And so they thought he was coming to restore the kingdom to drive out the bad guys. But God had a better plan. And a new day is about to dawn. And what's that day? Easter. Will you write this down? Jesus didn't come to conquer nations. He came to conquer hearts. He didn't come to conquer nations. He came to conquer hearts. Because Jesus said, you know what? My kingdom is not of this world. And it wasn't. Now what I'm about to say might bring some pain to some of you, okay? But I'm gonna say it anyway. Jesus was not a politician. Jesus was not a Republican. Oh boy, I just hurt some people there. Let me hurt the other half. And Jesus wasn't a Democrat either. And he wasn't a libertarian. And he wasn't a conservative or a liberal or a socialist or a communist. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, we know that a day is coming when Jesus is going to be king, and I hope you're looking forward to that day. I am, because Jesus said, if you do, you're going to get an extra crown in your crown, okay? We know that one day Jesus is going to be king, but when he does come back, he's not coming back, folks, to take sides. He's coming back to take over. And he's not coming back to be the king of the Jews, he's coming back to be the king of kings. The Bible says every knee in heaven and on earth is gonna bow. Your knee and my knee, Satan's knees, the angel's knees. Some will bow in worship and others will bow in defeat. But every knee and every tongue is gonna confess that Jesus is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords and it's all gonna be to the glory of the Father. That day hasn't come yet. Because that's not what Palm Sunday is all about. Jesus wasn't coming back as a conquering king. He was coming back as a sacrificial lamb. And this day, he didn't go into the house of Herod. He went into the house of God. And he didn't rout the enemy soldiers. He came to get rid of the hypocrites that were in the temple. Take a look at this verse. 
Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him and, and at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. You see, in our world, because we are so accustomed to it, we think that when Jesus comes back, he's going to turn everything upside down. Folks, he's not. He's going to turn everything right side up. It's our world that's upside down. It is our world's value system. Do, do you not see what's happening in the world? This world is going crazy. People murdering and gassing babies. Do you see what's going on in college campuses? Do you see what's going on in our schools? Do you see what's going on in our culture? It's our culture and our world that's upside down. But when Jesus comes back, he's gonna turn everything right side up in your life. Because in God's kingdom, things are different, aren't they? In God's kingdom, the last will be first, and the first will be last. In God's kingdom, the foolish will become wise, and the wise will become foolish. In God's kingdom, the servant will be the leader, and the leader will be the servant. In God's kingdom, the people are not oppressed by their king. Rather, they rule and they reign with their king. You see, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he didn't come in on a warrior's horse. Folks, he came in on a donkey. In the Old Testament, prophets came in on donkeys, or I should say judges, they were prophets. And when Jesus came in, he didn't come in to judge people. He came in to judge sin and to pay the penalty for it. I guarantee you this, in God's kingdom, things are different. I truly think the only thing that got turned over that day on selection day was the money tables of the money changers because of the hypocrisy that was going on in the temple. You see, the people weren't expecting this. They didn't think that Jesus was gonna come in and mess up the temple system. They thought he was gonna come in and mess up the political system. But God had a better plan. People expected Jesus to come in and right the wrongs. And when he didn't do that, they went from shouting, Hosanna, to crucify. All because he didn't fulfill their expectations. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a story, I put myself into it. Probably pretty obvious. And I think there's time, it's time to do a little heart check. Do your words change from Sunday to Friday? 
Do your words change when you come to God and there is something in your outer world that you want changed? And it doesn't happen within the four or five days that you are expecting it. Does your words change from, Friday, from Sunday to Saturday? How many Sundays have you really come in here and said, God, there's this area in my life. I want you to nail it. I want to be done with this. But given a short period of time, you've given up. Instead of welcoming Jesus in, you've given up on him. I want to go back to that question. What's your cloak? In fact, let me say it differently. Will you write this down? What's upside down in your life? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your dating life. Maybe it's your family, your kids. Maybe it's your parents or your in-laws. Maybe it's your view of yourself. Maybe it's your concept of who God is. What's upside down in your life? Let me ask it another way. What's broken? Like the slaves in Egypt, have you resigned yourself that nothing is gonna change in your world and in your life? I mean, I've just been this way forever. I guess I'm just gonna continue to be this way. Well, it might just be that on Palm Sunday, Selection Day, it might just be that God will turn your world right side up and give you a new way to look at things and a new life. You see, before you can, before God can work in your outer world, God's gotta work in you. Before he changes your outer world, he's got to change your heart. So let me ask you again, what's going on in your life? What dark place are you in? What are you afraid of that's going to happen or not going to happen? I want you to listen very carefully. If God can save your soul from eternal darkness... If he can save your soul from an eternity in hell, what keeps him from saving you from the hell that you're living on earth right now? Nothing. Because a new day has dawned, has it not? And it's called what? Easter. If God has given you a new life, folks, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that is impossible with God. But in order to experience it, you gotta lay down your cloak. This is a guy's jacket. Guys, I wanna talk to you. What do you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus? Some of you need to lay down being passive. And you need to start leading your family spiritually. Your world can change as you lay down your cloak at Jesus' feet. This is a ladies. Ladies. 
What do you need to lay down at Jesus' feet? You know you want your world to change. Maybe you need to lay down at Jesus' feet your critical spirit, your judgmental spirit. Only as you lay down at Jesus' feet will your world change and you lay it down. This is a kid's coat. It's a girl's coat. Parents, what do you need to lay down during Holy Week to change your kid's world? Your controlling nature? God cares for your kids far more than you care for your kids. Will you lay down your kids at the feet of Jesus and see your world change? This is a student jacket. Teenagers are tough, aren't they? You have one in your world? Jesus would, may, might say to you, you know what? Lay your teenager down and begin building a relationship and not barking rules at them. If you do, respect will come and not rebellion. What do you need to lay down at Jesus' feet? We are entering into Holy Week. Your world can change because a new day has dawned, and that day is called Easter. We are Easter people. We are resurrection people, and our world can change. Let's pray. Lord, I just really thank you today as we begin Holy Week, that you reign victorious. Though oftentimes, like 2,000 years ago, they missed you, God, we miss you. We don't see you, though you're standing right in front of us, though we read your word, though we go to church, though we hear messages, though we go to small group studies, we don't see it. Because our paradigm is different. But you want to be ushered in. And you want us to lay down our cloaks so that you can change our hearts. So that you can change our minds and change our world. I don't know where you're at today, church. But maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe in, with this story, you haven't laid down your cloak. You've just kept your life hidden. Today's your day. Will you just say in your heart, God, I admit, I admit I think I know it all. I admit, God, that I've got my life together because all the possessions I have. I admit, God, that I've got a good family because I'm a good guy and I don't need much forgiveness. But today, God, I see that that isn't the case. I'm taking my cloak off and I'm laying it at your feet. I believe that you are the King of Kings and that you are the Lord of Lords. 
and that you proved that by resurrecting from the grave. Easter is coming. So right now, God, I humble myself and submit myself to your kingship. If you prayed that prayer in whatever way you prayed it, as long as you meant it, God heard that. Would you just let me know? Take the communication card that's in front of you. Write your name, email address, and and, and check the box. It says, I'm committing my life to Christ for the first time, and I'll get you literature that'll help you understand what you've just done. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this week that we're in. Help us to be Easter people. Not just during the week of Easter, but all the time, God. We give you this. In your son's name we pray. Amen.